0: Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you for loving us in such a special way that you would send your one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have life that is everlasting. He is the name above every other name. He is the only one who would ever save. I hope the words that we just sang would be true in the hearts of all of us, that we would live for him. That we would look at our lives instead of pleasing our own selves or even pleasing others, that we would live a life that would be pleasing unto the Lord. That we would truly be a blessing to others, that we would lift up his name on high. Father, help us to do that. Help us to remember the sacrifice that has been made on our behalf and live out every moment of every day because of that truth. Father, as we open up the text this morning, open our eyes, ears, and hearts to hear your word be spoken to us so that we would leave here knowing you better, where we would leave here with excitement about living out what you would tell us here today. Father. Hide me behind the cross so people might see more of you and less of me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength and my redeemer, whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, once you turn with me in your copy of God's word this morning. We're going to be in Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 9. Romans 4 and 9. You know, last week we really talked about um, uh, being justified and, and how uh, this is not a works-based religion. If you look at all the other so-called religions out there, it's, it's more based on uh, who you are and, and what you do or, or what you don't do. It's about doing enough to gain favor in the eyes of the deity so that one day you can have some stuff. But that's not the game that we play. That is not how God has orchestrated uh, life for us. He has given us a a free gift and that's the free gift of salvation. Not because of who you are, what you've done, because if you remember weeks back, I mean, God's standard is, out of my arms aren't long enough, God's standard is so high. And there's no way, as hard as you might try, there's no way that you can live up to God's perfect standard. And you might be a good person. I love each and every one of you. I love hanging out with you and you wouldn't do anything bad or anything to anybody else. But even still, when you look at God and his standard, we all fall short. And so, but still he loved us in such a way that he, he sent his son to pay the price on, on your behalf as we see in the scripture that the wages of sin is death. That's what we all rightly deserve is death, but God had mercy on us. God provided grace. And so we have our savior Jesus to thank for that. We're gonna dive deeper more into that about what that looks like and, and how people really get it confused. Because even though the scriptures say these things, people still think that works justify us. And the reality is that they don't. People say, well, we gotta abide by the law in order to be in right standing with God. And if you hear somebody say that to them, to you, you would ask them, "All 613? Like, are you abiding by the law to the T perfectly? And if you're not, you fail one, you fail them all. So which one is it? Do you think you, your works and your right standing, you're following the law is going to be enough for you? Let's dive into what, what Paul explains to us and why it looks that way here in Romans chapter four, starting here in verse nine. Here God's word reads, is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised, for we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. Let me, let me pause there. And again, the reason why it's important for us to spend our time daily, we have a daily habit, of reading the scripture. Because when we read something in the Bible, we use the Bible in order to inform what is going on. If you don't understand something in the scripture, you got to see it in light of other scripture, right? To help you to further understand. So in this case, especially if you don't know the Old Testament, you will have some missing spots in the New Testament when you read through, because they're all intertwined. Isn't it funny? Isn't it incredible that these 66 books of the Bible all form together and they're intertwined so much? And uh, one helps to inform the other. You see all the things that are happening in the Old Testament that shows us our need for a Savior. And then the Savior comes in the New Testament and it illuminates everything else. It helps you to understand everything that came before. But if you Don't spend time in the Old Testament. I know it's hard sometimes reading through the Genesis and the Deuteronomies and all that. I mean, it's tough. Don't don't get me wrong. And it even says in the scripture, uh, I think Peter says about Paul, like, hey, hey, some of this stuff is is hard to understand, but it's still scripture. And so this is why it's important. The the audience that that, that Paul has here are comprised of uh, Jewish people as well as Gentiles. Gentiles meaning non-Jews. And so the Jews, they, they took it upon themselves to know backwards and forwards the Old Testament. And so they knew and understand where he was going. So he said, let me explain this to you. Let me show how you've got it wrong, how you've got it a little bit twisted uh, when, you, when we talk about this works-based thing that's going on. Because if it were works-based, then um, Abraham would have gotten the sign of righteousness credit to him after he was circumcised after he had did something. But he says, no, that's, that's actually not the way it happened. For the Jews at the time it was written, at the time this was written, circumcision was an outward and visible sign of God's covenant with Abraham. And for them, no uncircumcised man could claim any share of God's covenant. And here Paul is reminding us of the order of events in the life of Abraham to show us that the Gentiles also couldn't be included in the people of God by saying that Abraham was counted righteous before he was circumcised. So Abraham was declared righteous 10 to 15 years, maybe even more before circumcision came in. So you might be saying, if you're not uh, brought up in church, you might, well, what is circumcision? Don't worry parents, I'm not gonna go too far into explaining what that is. But uh, Paul gives us a meaning um, that it was an explanation from Genesis 17 and 11. In in Romans 4 and 11, he says, um, he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who were not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that the father Abraham had before he was circumcised. How many times in, one, in a couple of verse can we say circumcised? Circumcision was a sign and a seal of Abraham's righteousness. It was an external mark. That, that was put on to men, but the external mark was, was one thing. What really matters is what was going on inwardly. The inner reality is what really mattered when it came down to it. And, and I get this might feel repetitive in some ways as we talk about uh, whether this is works based or not, but the reality is that even though Paul and others write extensively about how we're not saved by the law or works, There's still people that think they need to earn their salvation. How do you miss this? So I want to spend some time here going through this and make it painfully obvious. And so that everybody here understands why that is not the case. You might ask, isn't the world better off uh, when people do good things we are saying we don't, we don't have to do all these things. But yes, absolutely. When people do good things, that is definitely a good thing. But why? Why are they doing those so-called good things is where we need to look. Unbelievers might do good things in life and people might do some religious things in life, but those things will never be the basis for justification. In fact, people want to, we see this at the end of the year. Well, I I need to give more to charity so that I can uh, hit the end of the year cutoff and claim it on my taxes. So what is the purpose? What is the point? You're, You're more concerned about getting a claim on your taxes. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it's the motive behind it. You would rather get a claim on your taxes than do things for the, 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 the reason or the good things behind it, for helping others and making sure they're supported and cared for. It's the inward thing that matters, not just the external. These things are never the basis for right standing before God. Our right standing comes only by grace through faith. That's how it, that's how it works, that's how it operates. And But we're just a works-based people. We got to do more and more and more. We feel like we, we got to, uh, somebody does something for us and then we feel obligated to do something for them. And how could this be the case that like God gives us this gift and I don't have to work for it. That's just how good God is. That's just how much God cares for you. That's just how much God cares for his people that he would offer to 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 give you this gift so that he can have a relationship with you, that you will be bonded into um, his family, to be an heir according to his kingdom. That's how good our God is. Whereas, again, these other so-called religions. And you're working yourself to a bone and you've got to follow all these rules and, and standards and they add so many different things. Your family has got to be so big and you've got to have this type of job and you've got to work this this more. You've got to be a missionary for this many different years in order to earn your way with whatever they are worshiping. Our God doesn't work that way. We do things For him, we do so called good things because of our love. We don't do them out of obligation. God loved us so much and lavished us with so many different things that the least I could do is spend time with him in his word. The the least I could do is spend time on my knees with him in prayer because he loved me so much and has done so many things for me. The least I can do is go and help the people he called me to help. He's given me so many different things. The least I can do is go help and feed the homeless and go help uh, some, some of the widows who, who might be uh, destitute. That's the least I could do for him giving up his life for me. Absolutely. Verse 13 says, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be an heir of the world did not come through the law but through righteousness of faith. For if it is the inheritance of the law, the inheritance of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith So if we think back and remember God's promise in Genesis 13, it was about the the land of Canaan. Go and I will show you a place that I will give to you. But Paul here is talking about being an heir to the entire world. It's interesting here. Paul does this to describe just the global reach of God's promise. That all the families of the earth would be a blessing through him. And also in Abraham's lineage, we have Christ himself, through whom all believers will inherit the earth. We see this echoed in Matthew five and five, where it says, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Or 1 Corinthians three and 21. So let no one uh, boast in men for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos, Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Christ will ultimately rule over the earth, and we who follow him will reign with him. Man, that's special, that he would love us in that, that way, that when he comes, it comes back and he reigns, we're going to be right there, flanking him and reign with him. Man, we, we got some cool families, and it's nice to be included with the families and the folks that we look up to in our own family, and we want to follow after them. Um, I recently lost my, my grandfather at 90 years old, and I looked up to him, you know, from the time I can first remember. I always wanted to be just like him. You know, I always wanted to be there, and if he said it was so, it was so. I'm like, man, I want to be like him when I grow up. I want to be right by his side. And I was his shadow for everywhere that I can go with him and be there with him. Because it was something special for a patriarch of the family. And to me, be, to be by his side, I felt like some of that might have rubbed off on me. Like you respect him, you got to respect me. And I'm in the same category. But when we think about Christ... And, and who he is and knowing that we've been grafted into his family as special as it is to have my grandfather around and, and be able to look up to him man I look so much more to Christ and what he's done so grateful and thankful you, you think you get some credit for the folks in your family that have been there uh, beside you and encouraging you man look at look at this how the God of the universe sent his one and only son who loves you so much that he adopted you into his family and you get to reign with him. There's nothing better. There's nothing greater. There's nothing more powerful than thinking about that. In his commentary, Charles Hodge says this, all things are ours if we are Christ heirs of a life that now is and that which is to come. That is unimaginable what that what that means it says. Verse 14 goes in and says, For if it is the adherents of the law who are the are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. Basically saying, look, If you think you're gonna go and and earn your salvation because you adhere to the law, then faith is null, it's a void, it it doesn't matter. People who say that they must strictly adhere to this law, they purposely disregard the book of Romans. They say, well, we gotta do these things in order to get salvation, to be right with God. They gotta ignore the book of Romans, they got to ignore uh, most of Paul's other teachings. All the while they might say, well, how important the Bible is, but they act as if Paul's writings are not um, inspired just like the rest of the Bible are. And they're like, well, Paul, you know, we don't, we don't put much weight on Paul. How is that possible? How do you do that? How do, you, how do you pluck these things out? You're just going to chop things out of the Bible, but you talk about how important that is. Make that make sense for me. How does that work? Either the, It's all or nothing. Either the Bible is good and it's truthful and it's the foundation for everything or it's not we can't afford to pick and choose the stuff that we like or dislike or the stuff that we align with better, or the stuff that we want to emphasize. It doesn't matter what you say or think. It matters what God says. And that's what's most important to us. In verse 14, Paul specifically says, if people would, uh, uh, could inherit the blessing by keeping the law, then faith and promise would be worthless. Again, if you remember the law, it's like a mirror. Now, I'm sure all of us looked into a mirror this morning. And a mirror shows you who you are. If you got something on your face, your hair is messed up, it shows you that. It, it doesn't fix it for you. You got you to gotta come in and you got you to gotta fix your hair. And if you, those you wear makeup, you put your own makeup on, you know, clean your nose up or whatever, get the stuff out of your teeth. It shows you that you are in need of fixing, that you are in disrepair. It shows you who you actually are. This is what the law does for us. The law shows us that we are in need of a savior, that you are broken, messed up without a savior. So when we look into that mirror and see the reality, then we realize, man, I I owe everything that I have and, and everything that I do, to my Savior who is Jesus. He's done it all for me. He's done it all for my family. He's always been there. And I owe everything that I am to him. Without a Savior, the result of our sin is punishment and wrath. Remember, that's what we write as all like, oh, the wages of sin is death. So here's a couple ways that you can think about it. When we look at eternity, we can either inherit the world through Christ by faith or inherit wrath by trying to earn salvation by the law? You choose. You can either inherit the world through Christ by faith, or you can inherit wrath by trying to earn salvation by the law. Which one will you choose? Those are the the choices. And then God's promise to Abraham wasn't conditional. Abraham wasn't asked to obey the law first. He wasn't asked to go get circumcised first so that he could experience God's blessing. Just like he tells us now, God commands us to only believe in Christ and be blessed. Salvation is given through God's gracious promise and not by our good performance. So let's zero in on verse 17 here. It says, as it was written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. This is interesting here, and as we read through, this is why I love expository preaching where I get to come and just explain the text to you because just reading this on your own sometimes you get through and start reading it pretty fast and you miss some of the nuances here like we see here in the text. Because Abraham believed God literally he brings life out of the dead allowing Sarah to get pregnant. Well beyond their childbearing years he brings about life out of death. We've seen him do this before, where where there was nothing God spoke in the universe leapt into existence. He created everything that there is and gave it life. Hebrews 11 and 12 says, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, And him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Man, God spoke to Abraham and said he was going to do all these things. And Abraham Abraham and Sarah, what are you talking? I don't know what this means. I don't understand. We can't have children. How is this going to happen? What's going to do? Well, maybe he means, or maybe we should do. And no. God in his sovereignty worked through all those things and he said he was gonna do a thing and they saw it happen. He did exactly what he said he was gonna do. And God does this time after time. And all we need to do is just trust him. All we need to do is just continue to be faithful Again, he created the world out of nothing. And later he gave Abraham, Abraham and Sarah a child out of nothing. Man, I don't know if you have this testimony too where you were one way before you encountered Christ. You, you might've been, been, been hurt and destitute and confused and, and then you met Christ. And then everything changed. Now you experience great, deep love and comfort because of who Christ is, because the Holy Spirit indwells in you. As you saw that he created something out of nothing, that you were just absent of everything that there could be in your life. And here comes Jesus working through you and for you to give you everything that you need. As we close this section, I want you to also see, we've been talking about our our vertical relationship with God, right? we're looking up and thinking about what God has done for us, but also in the same vein, uh, we should also look at our horizontal relationships as well. I want you to see how this addresses those relationships with, with others around us. This, this justification by faith is certainly a doctrine for each and every one of us individually, but also this is for our, our faith community as well. This is the reason why we're here together today, that we join together is because of the blood of Jesus. It's because that we've submitted our lives to him and we've been justified and we're a community of justified believers to help support each other. We come together from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, economic standards, and we come together to love one another. And God knew that we would need that. This is not a Lone Ranger Christianity. This is, I love how Paul talks about the body of Christ. When you think about your own body and how messed up you feel if one part doesn't work well. He brought us together as a body of believers so that we can support and care for one another so that we wouldn't be compensating in in one side or the other, that we would give our all for the good of those who believe. Because uh, our believing leads to belonging. That's what people need. That's what people are looking for these days. They they want to belong to something and the world is offering something that is going to lead them astray. That's not going to fill the God-sized hole that they have in their hearts. And the world is going to say, you can have all these things and keep up with the Joneses and, and have uh, success or, or whatever, notoriety, you you name it, but it's all going to fall flat unless they have Jesus. And here we are in Bolingbrook. When we think about missionaries, we think about going overseas and talking to people and sharing Jesus and preaching to those people, but uh, this is not our home. We are sojourners here, even in Bolingbrook. This is our mission field. There's people in Bolingbrook right now who don't know Jesus. A lot of people, but you do. He's done something for you that is unimaginable. He, he's done something for you that other people are waiting to hear about that are going out and trying to try this sport or that sport or going to alcohol and drugs or many other things when they just, they're waiting on you to come and tell them about a man named Jesus. I hope that we will leave here with that today people are just struggling, trying to do things on their own. They think they need to earn something. They don't know what that thing is. And you can tell them about the gift that is available for, for, for free. These kids say, free 99. You can tell them about what Jesus has done for them. How he lived a life that was free from sin. He paid the price that was meant for us to pay. And they tried to silence him, they tried to mock him. They hung him on a cross and he gave up his life. He said, it is finished. All for you. And that would have been fine if he stopped there. But on the third day, he rose again, conquering the grave, Conquering the enemy. The story is already written. It's already done. We know the end. Spoil alert. We win. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father. praying for each and every one of you. Man. How amazing is that? How can we keep that to ourselves? How can we hold that? Well, I don't want to I don't want to offend anybody. How can good news be offending? Everybody wants to hear good news. And we got it. So I'm going to pray and then um, we're going to have one final song and we're going to go to the Lord's table as we really think about what uh, our Savior has done for us and what that means for us in our lives. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you just doesn't uh, cover it. It doesn't measure up to when we think about what you've done for us and just the love that you showered upon us. We're just so grateful for who you are and what you've done. That many of us is, we have tried to, to, to find our own way and do our own things. So thank you for the reminder that you said it, it is finished. You've already done the work that needs to be done. And all we must do is follow you. And because of your love, and that, that we can show our love for you through our obedience. Help us to live every moment of our lives knowing that it's true. Help us to celebrate who you are and what you've done and just be so grateful that you work through us, that you comfort us and and, and shape us and mold us, that we have the Holy Spirit and dwelling in us and guiding us every moment of every day. Thank you so much. Help us again, not to keep this to ourselves. Give us the courage that we need. Put the words in our mouths that we need to share this message with others so they too can have hope. There's so many people that are just down and destitute and they find their identity in so many different things and we can show them and explain to them who who Jesus Christ is and they, they can find their identity where it rightly belongs. And that's in you. Father, help us here today. Let's let's leave here today and put somebody in our minds that we can go immediately to and share this good news with. Father, we thank you so much in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.